Hello, folks. Welcome to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. Bill Gallagher with you again this morning. Time for a little weather report. Open up the blinds, look outside. Kind of cloudy. This has been a whole week of cloudy weather for Florida, which is like really strange. But you know what? The sun shines every day, and it'll come back out again tomorrow. I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Daytona Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram for their loyal support through the years. And to our driver, Mr. Daniel Dye, in the Craftsman Series uh, NASCAR truck racing endeavor. He'll be driving not only for full-time in the truck series, but also part-time in the Xfinity series, starting out at Daytona Beach, Florida, our hometown, coming up soon. So thanks again, and folks, uh, thanks for your support to the Race to Stop Suicide. Please, you know, uh, continue that and watch us out on the tracks. So we got two very distinguished guests here today, both Embry-Riddle. I don't you don't know if I could even call them students. I think they look, they look like more like faculty to me, because they're, they're really cool guys. Happened to meet them last week. We got Ray, Regan Bossy and Mr. Jack McSwiggin with us today. Jack, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's well, great to be here. It is wonderful. Regan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, so we met last week. It was this week, wasn't it? Yeah, just Monday. Tu- was it Tuesday? Uh, Monday. Monday. Yeah. Monday. Out at the uh, Sustainability Conference in Embry Riddle. Man, that was like awesome. Yeah, it was great. You know, I got there about 10 o'clock. I wish I'd have got there about 8 o'clock. I missed the first couple uh, of. Uh, uh, sessions and yeah. everything, but it was it was really really cool. Yeah. And then somebody had stopped by our booth there, and they said, "You got to get out and meet these two guys. They're doing something really cool <laughs> with plastic." So we're going to get in that in depth in just a little bit. But yeah. but Jack, uh, we'll start with you if you don't mind. Tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and how you came down to Daytona Beach. Sure. Um, so I'm currently a sophomore in aerospace engineering. Uh, came from Cincinnati, so quite a ways away. Um, you know, down here it's just great connections, uh, whether it's NASA or just all the other job opportunities, it's great. And then, you know, you got Florida, all sorts of sustainability opportunities, whether, you know, it's your solar work, uh, you know, there's just, or, you know, oh, dang. Yeah, for sure. And Cincinnati, boy, you don't you don't think of Cincinnati being a, a sunny place or you don't think of space. What got you excited about that? I, I mean, even, you know, there's not much space, but there's a lot of aerospace work. You know, we're near Wright Pat, near Dayton. You know, it's just the birthplace of aviation, so that's always sort of been a big connection. Uh, you know, coming down here, it seemed like a great way to continue that sort of Ohio tradition. And actually, I mean, fun fact is that Embry-Riddle was founded uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, not right? as a school, but it was, it was uh, I believe, a mail route in, like, the 1920s. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, it's crazy. It is, the whole aviation thing is, uh, is, is really great. You know, we... Uh, yeah. It was part of the presentation we did the other day. I don't know if you were there. But we were talking about 52 years ago. I was sitting in the seats that you guys were sitting in. Yeah. And it was like, wait a minute. How can that even be 52 years? But yeah. they had just moved from Miami, mm-hmm. right? So they started actually in Ohio before they went to, to Miami. No kidding. Yeah. Didn't know that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tremendous university. Regan, tell us about your background. Yeah. Um, so I'm a computer engineer, and I'm a junior Born and raised in Jacksonville. Um, I chose Embry-Riddle just because it stood out to me as a beautiful campus and uh, just a lot of opportunities, and that kind of proved right. Uh, When I got there is actually when I really got invested in the um, sustainable thought and discussion, and that was through uh, great teachers and um, humanities classes that just posed um, challenging questions. So um, once you kind of start that discussion, it's hard to give it up. Um, you kind of get that enthusiasm, and uh, you're just well-received by so many people who who want to make a difference. Yeah, that is, 
you couldn't be uh, closer to the truth when you're talking about that. Did you were you guys outdoor guys when you grew up? Did you did you like the environment or what got you going on the sustainability? Um, so I'll answer first. Uh, surprisingly, um, no, I um, I wasn't really an outdoors person, but. Um, Right now, I have birds, and um, I have uh, two two budgies and um, three uh, cockatiels. And, um, I mean, we all are exposed to nature in a different way, whether you like fishing or flying or uh, diving or, or anything, exploring nature. And um, I, I think it's partly birds, the thinking about, like, in the wild if they were eating plastic or like that's no way to live or I'm, Flor- I'm Floridian so we've heard about um, sea turtles and things like that that suffer from plastic so um, that's where my motivation comes from and my connection to nature but uh, Jack if you wanted to answer yeah um, so I'd say my uh, relationship with sustainability has been a little more extensive in that I'd, I'd say I would go back to fourth grade uh, where you know, I'm from Cincinnati, we have the Cincinnati Zoo, uh, which is one of the leaders of sustainability in the country. Uh, they had, I believe it's called the Go Bananas Challenge, where essentially schools would collect uh, cell phones to recycle. Whoever had the most would get, I think it was $4,000. Uh, so in my district, there is a school that's trying to build a playground, and I, you know, I helped sort of kickstart that campaign for my district. And we eventually, we didn't win, but we got like the runner-up, and you know, that got some money towards that playground. And just that sort of experience continued on where my mom worked at a college and we'd have recycling days. People from all over the city would come and drop off all their various recycling, primarily electronics, and that's how she evolved into her nonprofit, uh, the Cincinnati Recycling and Reuse Hub. And I served on a board member of that uh, for a couple of years before coming to college. And that just gave me a lot of exposure to various recycling and sustainability activities uh, before I came down to Emory Riddle. Well, I think recycling is extremely important, yeah. and uh, I, I, I really wish we'd do a little bit more of it here. Yeah. You know, there are certain areas of the country. Uh, well, Gloria, one of our longtime partners, came from the Seattle, uh, Portland area, and, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the way it is. You know, you, you put your bottles here, you put your other here, stuff here, it becomes a habit. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it, to some extent, it's, it's happening here, but we, we, we really encourage people to do more of it. Yeah, I mean, like, when I came down here and I saw that, you know, they only take ones and twos, like, compared to Cincinnati, it just, it just feels like there could be more that could be done down here. And yeah. I just wish that would happen. Well, the recycling, and I think we touched on this uh, at the in the conference, mm-hmm. the recycling of solar panels and batteries is mm-hmm. becoming more and more popular. Yeah. Uh, the, really, the, when you think about solar or electric, the photovoltaic, it's only really been accelerating in popularity over the last 15 years Mm -hmm. and the life of these modules is like 40 years right so you if you have a system and it's operational it's kind of unlikely that you would take them down and discharge them so i'm glad to see that people are getting ahead of the curve on it and getting ready for it batteries same thing now Mm -hmm. batteries are becoming huge in renewable energy yeah uh just the the way it's uh, the way it's structured where if the grid is interrupted for any reason, the solar panels, although they're capable of producing power to the home, they can't power the home mm-hmm. for fear of back feeding the grid, and the batteries become a, a very important com- component. Yeah. Now, in, uh, Regan, in your area, are you are you in JEA or FPL? Who are you with up there? Uh, it's JEA. It's JEA, yeah. okay. So we do a lot of uh, solar systems in the JEA area, and most of them have batteries. 
and, and the batteries are there uh, in case you overproduce energy. It just stores it. You can use it at night and stuff. So pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. I can see you up in Jacksonville talking to people about solar. I Yeah. I, I've Since I heard about it, which was probably about four years ago at, at the most, I always thought it was a cool idea. And um, it's always nice to hear from people who have experience um, because... I hear a lot of negative stuff about solar, and um, that's discouraging because we want to see paths to making a difference on a personal level or, or maybe like a corporate level. And so um, hearing about recycling batteries and recycling solar panels and the longevity of these systems is really assuring that, I mean, especially in Florida, we can take advantage of the sun, which is renewable, and we have a, a better answer than fossil fuels. Well, you know, it's interesting. That was part of the discussion the other day, too. There are different renewable energy by itself is just really cool, right? So nothing against fossil fuels or anything like that, but it's a different way to produce power. We're going to need that for years to come. It's not going to happen overnight. But with renewables, depending on where you live, if you live in in, uh, uh, Niagara area, Buffalo area, you've got unlimited amount of power from hydro, right? And if you live out west... You've got perhaps unlimited power of wind, but in Florida, you've got the sun, right? It's right here. So tell me, Regan, what have you heard negative about solar? Um, well, I haven't really looked into this, um, but what I've heard as kind of like a rumor is that it can contribute negatively to the ozone. Um, have you heard anything about that? No. No. I'd like to know okay. how that happens. But <laughs> um, well... I probably won't go much more into that because I, I don't know, but um, uh, that was that was mostly it. Um, but in terms of like electric cars, um, I've heard that the batteries are really dense and um, with lithium, right? Um, where we get it is not the greatest source, and it can be linked to a lot of social issues. So um, it, it's a balance, and we want to make sure that people are being treated right and we're getting um a a safe renewable source yeah good point you know the battery and we it's hard for us really to identify exactly where the battery uh materials are coming from but boy it's a given that everyone has a cell phone everyone has a cell phone so if we went into depth and we parsed out solar as an evil for the batteries that you look at the f- cell phones you'd have to do away all the cell phone that's a problem right we can't live without our cell phones so it's it's just it's here we just we just have to you know we have to really research it to see if what they're what you're hearing out there is accurate but uh, I, i'm always interested because to me when i when i think of solar it's very hard for, to find something bad about it like the sun comes up every day the photons strike the solar panel there's no emissions the solar cell itself generates uh, electricity. The electricity goes through water, so there's no real, there's nothing that can go to the atmosphere mm-hmm. compared to other types of, you know, yeah. way of doing business. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I'm Cincinnati, and I actually have solar panels on my house, and I just say there's it's been nothing but benefits with that. You know, they paid for themselves, and, you know, they work great. Yeah. 
well, we don't want this to be all about solar. Yeah. Although we like solar, <laughs> but it's, I, I always, I'm, I just interested because it's, solar won't work for everyone, and mm-hmm. the reason is that you have to have access to the sun. So if your house is covered with trees or something like that, that can be an issue. Uh, the roof area where you put it could be an issue. The direction could be an issue. So it's it's site specific. Everyone, yeah. there's no one size that fits all, but. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about what you guys are studying because when I went over there and I saw that microscope, yeah. but unfortunately there was nine people crowded out and I didn't get my eyes on it. Yeah. <laughs> I had to stand in line and I couldn't get that all. But talk about that a little bit. What yeah. was that about? Uh, so we are members of the Plastic Free Campus Initiative at Embry-Riddle. I'm the president. Regan's the vice president. Uh, essentially, our work is working with the various organizations on campus to try to find sources of single-use plastic. That's, you know, plastic bags lids on cups and finding ways of either adding alternatives or finding ways of limiting uh, the use of those single-use plastics. Uh, And that's in an effort to reduce microplastics. So as plastic gets out into the environment, it breaks down into, you know, millimeter-sized pieces or smaller, and then that can have detrimental health effects. And what you were seeing in that microscope uh, was from a research study that's done by our advisor. Uh, on the nearby research building, we have air filters that are just you know outside in the air collecting stuff all the time. And what was shown in that microscope was uh, microscopic particles of polystyrene. So styrofoam particles all in the air constantly being breathed in. Uh, and that was just the, poly, uh, the polystyrene. There's various other particles that are being collected there that you know just weren't accounted for in that microscope. So it's just everywhere, constantly and possibly causing health effects to people. Well, you know, you, you really take a, a good look at how our health has changed mm-hmm. through the years, right? Yeah. And, and how food has been processed and the things that are added to it to produce more food quicker, and a lot of that's not good for us, too. Yeah. I would think that one of the, one of the challenges on the plastic side, because we're all guilty of it, we're mm-hmm. like we're creatures of our bad habits right yeah it's easy to pick up a plastic bottle of water and yeah. it's easy to carry it it takes some discipline really to carry around your metal bottle mm-hmm. but it is better to do that so we're seeing more and more people do that i've got one around here somewhere yeah i don't know where it went but it's, i got one <laughs> but isn't that the, the better way of going yeah i mean that's sort of what we push for like if you saw our poster uh we had a whole chart where we're looking at various alternatives one of them is definitely using uh, metal bottles and that's sort of the thing we've been pushing for, especially on campus with our food services. We've got all sorts of disposable silverware, disposable takeout containers. And we're looking at using, you know, metal silverware or glass uh, takeout containers that can be reused, washed. And, you know, that, that's a great way of helping reduce uh, plastics in the environment. Boy, we're almost to the end of this session. Folks, stay with us. When, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about plastics. The guys are going to give us a great education. Right back with you. Hi folks, Bill Gallagher with SolarFit here. Have you ever thought about utilizing solar power for your home or business? Well, there's never been a better time to plug into the sun and stop renting electricity. How would you like to let your roof start paying you each month? Give us a call at 445-7606, that's 445-7606, or visit us at SolarFit.com and set yourself free. SolarFit your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. If you missed the first part, please go to our podcast and pick it up. I know you're probably driving. Don't take your hands off the wheel, but when you get back, uh, zoom into our podcast and check it out. I'm here with Regan Bossy and Mr. Jack McSwiggin. These are Embry-Riddle stars uh, that we met at these uh, conference 
couple of days ago. Gosh, what is today? Thursday? So we met on... It's been three days? Yeah, about three or four yeah. days ago, and I'm still buzzing from it, all the activity. <laughs> but one of the things that really impressed me was the exhibit you had set up. You had all, all these little cups set up with yeah. different uh, plastics in it. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so essentially uh, we had seven cups. That represents the seven main types of plastic. So you know, you'll see on various plastic products, they have the little recycling triangle with the arrows. Usually you'll see a number in there. Uh, that The number uh, represents the type of plastic it is. Uh, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head because, you know, they're very long scientific words. Uh, but, you know, polyethylene, uh, I believe there's high density and low density. Those are different numbers. And essentially what that means is there's various processes which these plastics are made from, various materials. And ultimately that affects, you know, the strength, the quality of the plastic, and ultimately how they can be recycled. Um, so essentially what you'll see typically is ones and twos tend to be weaker. You'll see those uh, in water bottles or sort of jugs. Uh, and those are typically easier to recycle. And then you get to the other end where you have polystyrene. Uh, most places usually can't take that because, you know, they're usually dirty. And I would assume just because of the density, it's kind of hard to process that. Um, and then you also see uh, with lower density plastics, they'll break down to smaller sizes much more quickly. And that's usually what you're going to be seeing a lot of in the environment. It also helps, I mean, I would assume, uh, excuse me, I guess worsens the effect of plastic pollution because, you know, it's the cheaper, lower quality stuff that's made more. So more of that goes out into the environment. Um, in fact, uh, you know, the cheap, uh, fragile stuff, especially cigarette butts, that's, I believe, the most common type of plastic pollution you'll find in the environment. So cigarette butts have plastic in them too? Yeah, for the filters. Wow, okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? The good part about it is cigarette usage is dying down yeah. slowly and all thankfully yeah you know, to protect everyone's health and everything like that but mm-hmm. uh that's that's a good health thing yeah well so how the heck is plastic made i mean when they recycle this do they melt it heated and make it back into plastic bags and stuff like that uh for the most part that is the case uh my work with recycling is more on the collection and uh the collection aspect where we take it from people and then we send it out to recyclers so i'm not as well versed on the process, but uh, from what I've heard, for the most part, that is the case. Uh, just depending on the types of plastics, uh, you have contamination issues, and that's sort of the big issue that prevents a lot of plastic from being recycled because you need one type uh, to go with the rest of you know, the type. When you think of what needs to be recycled, there's some things that are made of plastic that just mm-hmm. they just are there, right? They're not yeah. going into trash. But you, when you think of uh, plastic bags, you think of forks and spoons and knives mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, I always wonder why don't they make them edible? You know, you make a fork, it's just that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a possibility? Yeah, actually, that was something. So, due to the size of our club, we haven't been able to do it where we want to have a research department. And that's actually one of the topics. Once we have enough people, that's something we want to look in. I know there's companies where it's essentially like an ice cream cone type material where they have little uh, silverware. That's pretty cool. So, you can have spoons or forks. And then when you're done eating, you just eat the silverware. What you have for dinner last night? I had two spoons, a fork, and a knife. It was yeah. delicious. <laughs> but you know that would be that would be one way of doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, maybe that's a that's a, a business you guys should start. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I've heard about this before, and um, it's pretty cool to see in the engineering field and elsewhere where we get uh, innovation with plastic usage or rather alternatives. Um, and I've seen um, uh, fo- fo- um, fake plastic made out of uh, plant fibers and, and like the um, the cellulose in there, and you can get a, a pretty decent um, 
impression of plastic that's clear and durable and can uh, take a certain level of heat as well. And so there's that. But um, kind of back to our club and our initiative, um, that that comes up a lot is when we talk to people and we ask them, how is your plastic usage? Um, they commonly come back with, how can we make it better? Um, and we start with kind of like a pyramid where um, we say eliminate, reuse, or reduce. And that might sound like um, the recycling campaign you've heard before, reduce, reuse, recycle. And there's pretty much an agreement there. Um, and that's just because we've talked a lot about recycling and we're pro-recycling, but um, even the um, EPA doesn't immediately recommend that in terms of uh, handling the plastic issue just because we've reached a point where we're producing tons. Um, 430 million tons each year is, is the current statistic. And two-thirds of that is only briefly used, and that's what we call single-use plastic. So um, recycling is is good, and, and there's a lot of opportunity there, but it's not caught up with our production. And... Um, Right now, we see um, a statistic where um, national recycling is for plastic is only nine percent, and um, even it could be as low as five percent with some of the the data, new data coming out. Um, so it's it's something that needs to be caught up, and it, there can be a question of if it will even catch up if we continue this path of exponential use. And it, it just goes straight into the ocean. So it's it's a now problem that needs to be addressed. Yeah, let's talk about that, the health uh, problems. That's that's really what we're concerned with, too, right? Not just the disposal of the stuff, but how is it affecting our health? Uh, yeah, so with there's kind of two issues there is um, the regular plastics and then the microplastics. And with regular plastics, we'll hear things uh, about Cancer Alley. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Uh, it deserves a, a quick Google for sure. But uh, it's this area with increased, if not the, the highest cancer rates. And um, experts say that it's linked to plastic. And uh, that kind of shows that with any environmental issue, any social issue, you have uh, poor communities being hurt health-wise and opportunity-wise by plastic. And, um, I mean, that's concerning on an individual level, on a social level, because what do we want to leave our, our children? And what kind of future do we want to create? And what kind of world do we want to live in? Um, but with microplastics, it's very small. Uh, and, and that's the key. And it's kind of in the name, too. And the reason we bring that up is because it can get in a lot of places. And uh, it becomes harder to filter and catch and observe or even think about when, when it becomes smaller and it gets in the na nano or micro range. And um, what that means is we inhale it. We drink it. Um, I actually have a statistic here. Uh, annually, we drink uh, 90,000 microplastics. And we probably would have never known if we hadn't stopped and started testing. And um, we've seen um, 
infertility rates uh, decrease due to microplastics. We've seen um, it enter the bloodstream, get past the lungs, and um, we've seen it even pass down through embryos. So um, its pervasiveness is really concerning. So, Jack, talk a little bit about uh, plastics going into the ocean. They're plastics Mm -hmm. that are leaching into our groundwater. What, What should we look for there? Well, so... Essentially, as you have plastics, you know, littered around the ground, you're going to have water runoff, whether it's raining, there's sprinklers, whatnot. So that gets pushed off into the rivers, and eventually that's going to make its way to the ocean. And like you'll see sand on a beach, as, you know, waves happen, they break down particles in the ocean. So with sand, in that case, it's rocks, but with plastic, then it breaks down and becomes microplastics, and then it just disperses everywhere. And because it's in the water... Uh, you know, we could be drinking it. We're inhaling it, ingesting it, and that's just creating, you know, all sorts of the health effects that Regan just mentioned. What about the fish? I mean, it seems yeah. like that. Um, so, like tuna uh, is a main contributor. I believe it's mainly large fish. I was actually talking uh, with uh, one of my friends recently. He said that essentially with large fish, you know, they typically live longer than, you know, say something like a sardine or a mackerel, and that gives them more time to accumulate microplastics. So if you take, say, a can of tuna, you're probably going to find a decent amount of microplastics uh, if you were to look under, uh, look in that tuna with a microscope. Wow. So that's, you know, what you're eating. So is there there a potential of plastics being dumped offshore yeah. Large quantities, that's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure about modern rates. However, I know, you know, for the past few decades, uh, the U.S. has been shipping uh, essentially our plastic waste overseas. It primarily went to China uh, after recent uh, sort of trade blockades. Uh, it's, you know, it's not China as much anymore. It's primarily Canada and Mexico. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the U.S. has some sort of dumping somewhere. Uh, and definitely for you know, third world countries, a lot of a lot of their trash ends up being dumped basically over the sides of cruise ships. Wow, shapers. Yeah. So if this gets down into the groundwater, mm-hmm. right, and we're drinking the groundwater, uh, that can't be healthy. No, absolutely not. The, yeah. so is that one of the tests you could see with a microscope that I didn't get a chance to see because of the crowd that was looking in a microscope? <laughs> I mean, we could, that's not the one we did, but we could absolutely make that happen. Really? Yeah. What was the one you did? Uh, so that was from uh, our advisor's research. So just an air filter from the air was sucking in plastics. And so it was pretty much a sample of the air all around us and all the plastics that well, we're currently breathing in. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of all around us. So what's, yeah. what's your recommendation, guys? What do, we, what do we need to do more of or less of? Our main, our main thing is just reducing single-use plastics because ultimately that's what ends up in the environment more. So obviously elimination is the best way of making that happen. Uh, because of how microplastics work, we can't easily eliminate them once they're out into the environment. So our, our goal is to stop it at the source. So whether that's reducing, uh, reducing plastic usage altogether, finding alternatives, that, that's our main goals. Um, there are some ways where you can reduce microplastics in the environment. Like I know there's research where there's fungi that are able to digest plastics, but that's not at the scale where we could tackle this 400-plus million tons of plastic every year. Hey, I wonder how many uh, bottles... Um, water bottles are sold each year. Yeah. Have you ever done a test on it? I don't have the t- yeah. statistics on that. Uh, however, I do know from a Volusia County report, only, I believe it was 5% maybe of the county's plastic bottles are actually being recycled. So the majority are going out either into the landfill or the environment. Wow. So we need to pick up our recycling efforts, Absolutely. Right? Right. Yeah, like Volusia County is, for the most part, below average for a lot of his plastic recycling okay so that means you need to get in front of the county board yeah. and, and all right what time what's when's your meeting 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's important. You guys are doing some important work in studying and coming up with analysis, and that's what people need to hear. And I hope from uh, this show that yeah. you know, we can spread a little good word. Uh, Rick, what's your thoughts? I, I agree with uh, Jack wholeheartedly. Um, it's It's one of those things where, yes, it's an individual issue, but it's a social issue as well. Um, we we have to talk about um, plastic production on a global level, on a national level, and um, corporations push plastic. Uh, it's it's a good seller. It's cheap. It's versatile. And I mean, we understand that that it's it's appealing, um, but it's. Part of it is responsibility, and when we generate these conversations, we don't want point uh, finger pointing. Uh, we want to see solutions, and it's kind of our faith in humanity that we can come up with something cre- creative, and we can acknowledge the data that we have and um, pivot uh, radically towards a better way to handle and consume conscientiously wow man i'll tell you what a way to end the show that's that's incredible folks you can see why embry real is our favorite university and we have our two of our bright guys right here with us today we have uh regan bossy and mr jack miss wiggins thank you so much guys for coming on this was fun can we do it again absolutely yeah thank you in a couple a couple months maybe we'll get together again on it and i want to give a thanks to uh, uh dr compare for uh, the invitation to the sustainability conference it was fun i learned a lot yeah. and we're going to have uh a very uh, special guest with us next week also from the conference so sort of great folks we're going to sign off for now have a wonderful weekend and if you miss anything tune into our podcast but please support the race to stop suicide and we'll talk to you then solar fit renewable energy radio show paid for by solar fit 